I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 161 on Now You Know. This show, as always, was brought to you by our wonderful, amazing Patreon patrons. It's true. And, you know, people often ask us, like, hey, what, what are the perks for Patreons? Uh, this is one of them. Oh, our cool uh, Now You Know hat. Our cool Now You Know hat. The only way you can get one is to sign up as a Patreon. And, yeah, it's just one of many perks. We have super, so many perks. Head over to Patreon. Go oh. check them all out. You don't have to do anything if you don't want to but you know see if you see if anything calls out to you and as amazon associates we earn from qualifying purchases so if you'd like to buy something at amazon you can use our link down below make sure that you go click that link before you go shopping on amazon and a little bit of your purchase helps us out here on the channel and we're sponsored by ecoware.us we upload new designs every week i'm wearing a super new one that's coming out for halloween yes it's kind of like the one you wore last week but it's more halloweeny halloweeny yeah um, and so we have a wide variety of products there and we carbon offset the manufacturer, the shipping and the life cycle of your purchase and we plant a tree for every order. All right, let's get into it. According to CNBC, Tesla has acquired the company DeepScale, which is a California Bay Area startup focused on deep neural networks. So is this like some kind of big company that's been working on neural networks like since the 70s or something like that? No, it's a new startup and they recently raised $15 million in Series A financing, which basically means they're a brand new company and uh, one of their first big chunks of money came in, which makes them probably a 50 to $75 million company. Hard to really know exactly when a company is that small. Mm. Um, we think they have about 40 employees. And CEO Forrest Iandola confirmed that he joined Tesla as a senior staff machine learning scientist. He said, I joined the Tesla autopilot team this week. I'm looking forward to working with some of the brightest minds in deep learning and autonomous driving. So why did Tesla acquire such a tiny little company? I mean, 50, even $100 million company is is you know pretty small fry when it comes to tesla um why did they buy them right now tesla has too much of one thing uh money no the, and no no company can have too much money okay uh except apple um <laughs> uh um like balloons data they've got so much data that uh, it's almost too much data, right? You've got all this data coming in from the cars and you have to be able to process it mm -hmm. properly. Well, DeepScale is known for having built a computer vision AI software for vehicles called Carver 21. And so they have come up with a way to take all that data and filter out what you need to train your neural network. If you have so much data that you're just throwing it out, it's useless, right? And that's why they needed to come up with a way to figure out what data they need and what data they don't. And they could have built the team themselves from scratch, but why not just acquire a company that's already got the talent and already works well together? We actually watched a video of some of the people from DeepScale talking about what they were working on, and they really, really sounded like they knew what they were talking about. Um, and they really went about it in a very interesting way. Again, the smart thing that Tesla did here is that they're acquiring the whole team. So you have someone who's already built a team, and you just say, all of you guys, get on board. You right. don't have to, because I mean, like, how would Ford do this? I guess they would uh, be like, you know what? Let's fly the best and the brightest out to Michigan and uh, put them up in the Hyatt Regency and uh, let's have a little sit down with a chicken dinner and find out what these guys can do. That would require that the Ford guys like knew what these guys are saying. 
Because I mean, I was watching the video, and I'm I'm pretty smart, and a lot of what this guy was saying was just like, you know, like it's some serious like AI talk. You need to really know what you're talking about when you're going into these kinds of meetings. If tomorrow I gave you a hundred million dollars and I was like, I want you to go make me the best deep neural net, you know, division of people you can find, what are you gonna do? I mean, like, that's that's tough. I guess you'd go to Silicon Valley and you'd just start talking to people. Craigslist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I need someone who knows how to use a deep neural net. I, I think it's super, super valuable that Tesla is on, you know, it has their finger on the pulse. They have a whole division that's already making an autopilot that's working in the real world, pretty much everywhere in the world. And they can just be like, oh, pff, yeah, these guys know what they're talking about. Get them all on board. So not only did they acquire DeepScale, they also acquired Highbar Systems. According to Electric Autonomy Canada, Tesla has acquired the Ontario-based company Highbar Systems Limited, company that specializes in battery manufacturing. Now, the acquisition took place between July and October. And the reason why we don't know when is because in July when they filed in Canada, Tesla said they didn't own this company. Mm. But when they just filed again on October 2nd, they said they did. So it right. had to have happened sometime in between. Over 50% of Highbar's business is in the Chinese market. And in addition to having facilities in North America, Highbar also holds major manufacturing facilities in Europe, South Korea, Japan, Malaysia, and China. Highbar's website has gone dark, but according to an archived version of Highbar's website, among Highbar's latest technology offerings are its advanced automated vacuum filling systems for lithium-ion battery applications for use in hybrid electric vehicles, computer notebooks, and similar products. Highbar provides complete design, engineering, and manufacturing automation expertise, including special equipment design and development in an integrated offering. Now, according to LinkedIn, there are 79 employees. So Tesla has bought Maxwell Technologies for new battery tech. They've now purchased DeepScale, and now they're purchasing high bar systems for their battery manufacturing. And this kind of fits in with their battery skunk works that we've heard about at Cato Road in Fremont, California. So this company basically makes pumps that pump small amounts of liquid like if you want to pump in an uh, electrolyte into a small battery mm -hmm. or a small cosmetics. Um, one of the things they offer to battery companies is they'll just make the machines you need to make batteries. Right. So this is another great company to acquire. These are people who've been in business for a very long time. So, you know, much different than deep scale. But you kind of need that when we're talking about battery manufacturing. Like you don't want like a, a new startup for battery manufacturing. You want a new startup for like software. Right. And so it seems like with their expertise and Tesla's, you know, expansive uh, battery needs, this is another great fit. It's just so cool that Tesla is acquiring all of these really smart sounding companies. Tesla's whole business dynamic is to be vertically integrated so that they are not relying on outside sources to build some of their most important components. So now they're going to be building the batteries probably in-house soon, which is super exciting. So last week we reported the leaked Elon email to employees stating that Tesla would have record deliveries in Q3. And it looks like they pulled it off. 97,000 vehicles in a quarter, in a quarter. Yeah, they used to only do this in a year. In 2017, they delivered 100,000 cars. Now, in Q3 of 2019, they deliver the same number, 
Yeah, I mean, look at this chart here from Hypercharts, and you can see that it's a record-breaking quarter. So let's put this in some kind of perspective here. Let's just look at U.S. car sales. This chart here shows the best-selling cars in the third quarter of 2019. Uh, and see the little red line there? Yeah. That's the Tesla Model 3. Wow. I mean, because we're talking about, you know, the Camry, the Corolla, uh, the the Civic, the all the cars that are out ahead of it are the most popular cars. Like, if you look, just peek peek out onto the road right now, what are you going to see out on the road? High chances are you're going to see a Civic or a Corolla. Um, but now Model 3 is basically inching into the top spaces. And as Tesla said, as was also the case in Q2, nearly all of our Model 3 orders were received from customers who did not previously hold a reservation. In addition, we achieved record net orders in Q3 and are entering Q4 with an increase in our order backlog. So Elon had talked about having possibly 110,000 sold. They didn't quite pull that off, but that means that those extras that didn't sell in this quarter are probably going to be in next quarter. Hang on a second. What's the matter? Elon said, though, that there were going to be 110,000 deliveries and there were only 97,000. So, well, gee, huh? That's why the stock dropped 5% when, when this came out. But that's the way that all analysts work on Wall Street, right? You, you set a number, and if you don't meet it exactly, there seems to be problems with the stock price. And Elon didn't even set this number. This right. was a leaked email to employees where he was like, come on, guys, we could hit 110,000 if we really try. Um, obviously, you know, setting a high goal for his employees, so that way hopefully they will, you know, maybe come close to it, making a record quarter or something like that, but not necessarily going out to the world and being like, hello, everyone, we're going to have 110,000 deliveries this quarter. Right? He didn't say that. That was an email to employees. Right. And yet, all the analysts went, oh, 110,000, because that's what Elon said. Well, remember that a lot of analysts thought that they were going to be delivering something like 60,000 cars this quarter. Right, which is bananas. I can't believe that analysts really thought that the number of deliveries was going to drop this quarter. They thought that basically Tesla had worked through all of their demand, that there was nobody left because they were just focusing on the people on the reservation list. Right. And as we've seen here, most of the people buying these cars were never on the reservation list. Right, so let's just talk about this for a second because this was the biggest thing. The Tesla shorts would come and they would roll this out and they would say, see? We know that this isn't gonna happen because look at this! The only people who ever wanted to buy a Model 3 on the entire planet put down their reservations on the first day of the Model 3's unveiling, and those were the only people who were ever gonna buy a Tesla Model 3. And here's the thing. Right. I wanna know how many analysts actually have driven in a Model 3, because I bet you that number is very, very low. If those analysts drove in a Model 3, they would realize what other people realize, which is as soon as they get in their friend's Model 3, they're like, oh my gosh, where can I get right. one of these? Why am I not driving in this? This thing is a spaceship. Right. Um, and yeah, look at the growth here, right? It's growth. You're basically seeing growth, huge growth in, in Model 3 sales from... From the moment they got into production. Exactly. You know, we saw this weird drop off in Q1, um, which was basically because they started shipping them across the ocean and a lot of cars were in the ships, not delivered to customers that quarter. Um, and that's why we saw that dip. And remember how the shorts went bananas. They were like, see, there's no more demand. And you're never gonna sell another Tesla ever again. Were those drunk analysts? <laughs> I don't know. They Like, this is the thing. Like, I just, I'm looking at the data here and it's 
growth. Basically, this you know lack of demand thesis is completely out the window at this point because this is another record quarter for Tesla showing that there is no lack of demand. Now, have you been having trouble getting into your Model 3 lately? I will say that on occasion, my, my car doesn't unlock immediately when I walk up to it. I know that it is because my phone has like a weak Bluetooth transmitter thing. So sometimes I have to be like, come on, car. Don't you know who I am? Um, but then it always opens up. Good. Well, there's another option for you. Tesla has relaunched their Model 3 FOB, and this time it has passive entry. So it's selling for $150, and it's no hands required. Locking and unlocking your Model 3 has never been easier. Keep your key fob in your pocket and simply pull on the door handle for easy entry. Same with the trunk. Your key fob is automatically enabled when you pair with your vehicle. So I just wanted to ask you, so what's the difference now with the passive entry? So it didn't have that before? Yeah, the first fobs that were coming out for the Model 3 didn't have passive entry. It was basically like a regular old key fob that you might have had. Uh, oh, you had to push it? You'd, you'd push it to unlock the car and you'd push it to lock the car. Um, but now it does, you know, sort of the, the passive entry where you walk up to the car and the car unlocks and then you walk away and the car locks itself. So the same thing that your phone does, except um, I think that this is kind of a nice little backup just in case your phone battery dies or uh, it, it has a weak signal kind of like how what my phone does. Right, because the idea was that you were never supposed to really use the cards all the time as your way in and out. Those are just supposed to be kind of backups or giving them to a friend or something. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, if you're having trouble with your phone, and I know a lot of people have written to us and say that they are, um, this could be a good solution to that. And I think that it's really interesting that now that Model 3 production has stabilized and it doesn't seem like it's the biggest issue anymore, um, Tesla and Elon, they can like focus on these types of problems and they can... Fix them. Yeah. And I really like that. All right, let's go to our reporter in the field, Brian Thompson, who has visited Canoe, an electric car sharing startup. Brian Thompson here, longtime patron of Zach and Jesse, and now location reporter. We are at the Canoe launch party from Torrance, California, which is a marvelous place to launch a electric vehicle company, being that they're only a few miles north of the largest seaport in America. Canoe has aimed their vehicle at people moving. It's not a car you can buy, but you can purchase a subscription. With your subscribed car, you have an option of adding it to a ride-sharing service so it can make income when you're not using it. Ultimately, like Tesla, Canoe aims to have their EV part of an autonomous fleet of taxis. Their design has encompassed the three traditional vehicles from present and times gone by the station wagon, the minivan, and the SUV. Then they asked themselves, how can we add as much interior space as possible? They've come up with a wonderfully charming design. It also features a surprising non-feature. They have no screens. Was no screens at all. No screens at all. So, nothing. Because of the, 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 the platform, the skateboard, we can clear out everything and have absolutely nothing. It's simply BYOD. Bring your own device. The device you love, you trust, you understand. So, just bring it. We don't need to bring it, uh, or give you a screen. Now, and it really comes down more specifically to the skateboard. This skateboard allowed us to have this kind of flexibility and the best person to tell you more about that 
into such a nice uh, outer scale. And uh, Stefan already mentioned, we are not here for speed, uh, we are more here for space. And all the components that you usually have in an engine compartment or inside the complete powertrain, the battery, it houses the suspension. And on top of that, we package also the heating and the cooling system into the skateboard. And the result is that we could minimize, of course, the amount of parts, wheel and the road, the, the wheels on the road in exactly the right position that is needed. And the other benefit is we were then invited in groups to go inside Canoe's design center based on the number of colored dots that were on our name tags. I was privileged enough to be in the four red dot group led by Sohel Merchant who is head of vehicle design architecture and we got an up close look at the fascinating super clean guts of the vehicle. The drive-by wire steering mechanism, uh, the drive unit, this uh, acrylic case on this drive unit was made for engineering purposes, not for demonstration purposes. I found it fascinating. This is just so they can ensure that the drive unit gets maximum and adequate oil flow. And how cool is this? If you can cad it, you can carve it. That is not a scale model. That is full-size reel, one-to-one. -one. Slap some clay on an armature and carve your car. Zach and Jesse, we are at the canoe launch. There it is, and consider it launched. It is a wonderfully spacious interior. Uh, consider it similar to a black cab, only more spacious and more luxurious. Given the choice to call for an SUV or a canoe, I think we're going to be calling for canoe. Thank you so much, Brian. That was excellent reporting from the field. It's, it's almost like he's professional or something. It's almost like he knows what to do around a camera. So check out this car, Jesse. This is a new concept car coming out of Nissan. Mm -hmm. It's called the IMK Concept. Wow, it looks kind of like a smaller version of the Leaf, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, we don't know anything about the stats on it yet because it's just totally concept mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, we do know that it has a lot of copper look to it. So, Jesse, this is in Japanese, so um, we're going to just have the subtitles playing okay. here as we're as we're watching, um, just so you can get an idea. Where, okay, I, first of all, the wheels on this car, either the car is a lot bigger than I think it is or the wheels are too small. Okay. Just they just aren't the right proportional size than a normal car. Then you have the interior, which doesn't seem to have any cup holders. Also, doesn't look comfortable. No. And then there's that like those like little wood slats that stick out on the side mm. that you would kick and break and break because you're getting in your car because it's a car, right? Mind I, you, I don't think you're supposed to have wood slats in it. And then there's the like, why do designers get to design cars? without any kind of like engineers present why yeah. why did they just like work oh we're gonna put a bunch of japanese dna into it which is totally cool right you know stick whatever kind of dna 
kind of design stuff you want to put into the car, but then talk to someone who designs cars for a living and right. say, hey, what do you think about this? And they'd go, hey, you know, you got to get rid of all of that because that's all going to break. Um, that material is not going to hold up. And also, why are the wheels so small? Well, I think that's what's so special about Franz von Holshausen, who is the chief designer at Tesla, right? He not only knows how to make things look beautiful, he also understands cars. It's true. I mean, basically all Tesla cars looked very similar to their concepts. I mean, yeah, right. the Model X has a different nose cone, but it still has the Falcon wing doors. Right. And whenever we see new concept cars, they generally have crazy doors, usually, you know, suicide doors or some kind of upfolding door. Right, and then they ditch that at the last minute. They ditch that as soon as the car comes out into production. Right, I feel like these designers, they come up with this concept, and right. then they approach the engineering team, and the engineering team is like, well, okay, cost, I know. Um, I, materials. I feel like, bad for the engineering team, because they must just be like, what, guys, what are we supposed to do with this? Right. We need I mean, to make a car. Because, I mean, designers are not focused on things like range or things like cost. So even though they might have some good beginning ideas, like, they're not engineers. Right. And it's just, it, it, it's frustrating when you have large auto manufacturers releasing videos like this one where they are showing off their cool concept that's never you're never going to see anything that looks like it you're going to see like a squashed leaf which is fine like i don't, I don't even like the concept i mean be no, honest with you like I, I don't like the proportions at all it's an i3 it from the side it looks identical to an i3 and this is a concept and they're talking about it being like this living space inside and yet they still put the seats facing the same way that they always do like right. it's not they're like we're excited about our, the autonomous future right they didn't show where the cameras are going to go right um, or if it'll have LiDAR or not. And they keep the steering wheel in there, and then they just say it's living space, it's even so though we weird. don't put a... And it's never going to be made. There's no cup holders. So Jesse and I just got back from a trip to London um, where we were visiting Silverstone. Uh, Jesse will tell you more about that later. Uh, he was racing a car. Mm -hmm. um, and our friend Renbeer met up with us and let us borrow his PM 2.5 meter because he found out that there is an unbelievably high level of PM 2.5. And, and what is PM 2.5, by the way? So these are particulate matter that are 2.5 microns in diameter or smaller. Right. So, I mean, you could put a bunch of particles on the edge of a piece of hair. Right. It, it, yeah. They're, they're smaller diameter than a, than a human hair. And they get into your bloodstream. And they don't really come out of your body. Right. And so we've been learning more and more about them, talking more and more about them on the show, how they can affect your health and your brain and so forth. Anyway, you found unbelievably high levels. So we decided to check it out ourselves. And this is what we found. Hey, everybody. Zach and Jesse here in London. And we just had a wonderful uh, meetup with some fans. It was so great to see everybody. And we got from our friend um, this PM 2.5 meter. Yeah. And he told us some very interesting information that we're going to go try and verify ourselves, which is that um, on a you know beautiful day out in the park, that he's you know you get a very low reading of something like one microgram per cubic meter. Yeah. But that when you're down on the London Underground, that you get something quite different. So yeah. we're going to go check that out and report to you and see what we find. Oh, that's not good. That's high. Yeah. Oh yeah. So what numbers you get? One sixty-two. going on? So we just got off at Oxford Circus and we're uh, getting on the central line here. You can see the air. Like, that does not look cool. Once it pulls in, you can see the haze. Can you not see it? 177. Yeah, what are they pumping about here? Wait, so the number's going up? Yeah, 178. You can see the air. That's not good. That is not good. That's bad. Look at this. 
That is not good. <laughs> oh my god. So what does that mean? What, what does that, what's that number mean? That's bad. That's bad. I mean, what, what is it measuring? Uh, PM 2.5. 183. That's the highest we've even heard about. And where are we now? Uh, we're in the central line at Oxford Circus. That's crazy. I should get two money. So we're getting to Queensway Station and yeah. we're 172. All right, let's see what happens when we leave. Hang on for a second. Can you see the air? I mean, I can see it. Yeah. It's smoky. It yeah. looks like someone just was like... It looks, it's like there's a fire in here. Yeah, I mean, he's right. It, it, looks, it looks smoky. All right, so how's the number changing? It's going down so far. So 143, yep. 139, and just remember we were just on the train where it was in the 180s. So now as we're getting closer and closer to the way out, we're getting some air from above and we're at 135. I'm sneezing down here, it's super, I can, like, I can, the tingling in my nose, look at this. That is not good. <laughs> One eighteen, and you can see the road now. Yeah. One ten. One oh four. You can feel the outside breeze. It's all it's dropping like crazy. 65, 56. And we are outside now. Yeah. Yeah. 44. Look at that. And I mean, as we get further from the station, I mean, it's it's going down significantly now. 26, 20, oh my god, it's just, yeah. it's incredible. Night and day difference. 14, And I mean, 12. I think that's just the, the sensor, like this isn't even, it's like it was overloaded in there. Yeah, so that was really scary. Um, what, yeah. what seems to be happening is, and we don't know all the facts yet, but what seems to be happening is that the, the trains, which are electric, uh, when they break to come into each station, they come in hot, right? They come in fast. Right. And then they stop. Because, you know, you're standing there and you go. Right. And so that's the brakes. And those brakes are releasing brake dust, right? When, when, those, when the brake pads and the, and the wheels grind together, you get brake dust, which is a lot of these small particles. And we could see this leaving the station. We could see like a smoke haze in the air. Um, and we would watch on the meter, as you saw there, the, the numbers would go up astronomically high right. and then would slowly dissipate as we either left a station or as a train would leave a station. Right. Once you get over 150, and then that number is, I believe, micrograms per cubic meter. Yep. Once you get over that number, it is unhealthy for everyone. Um, once you get over about 100, it is unhealthy for sp uh, specific groups, which means... Uh, 
babies, young people, people with developing brains, and also people with asthma. And basically, we were well above that. And once you get into like the 200, it's it's like a health hazard. And this wasn't like one station. We right. were at random stations throughout London. And you have to keep in mind that 5 million passengers a day ride on the London Underground. And that this isn't probably unique to London. Any Electric trains use the same principles, and so you're probably going to find numbers like this throughout any underground train system. Right, and it's extraordinarily worrying because, I mean, I was super stoked about uh, London's underground. It's electric. It transports all these people. Think about all the cars and buses that you no longer need to have because it's all electric, and you're, oh, I'm just like, oh, this is super great. Yeah, it was funny to realize that a lot of the pollution that I was complaining about last time we were in London was because of the tube. And... It was so crazy because as soon as I started to notice it, it was every time I got down into the tube, I would just start to sneeze. My nose, I could feel it in my nose. It was like, ah, it was really Yeah, I mean, it, it, scary. it affected both of us. I mean, we were both just like immediately on the second day of being in London, we were just like stuffed up all mm -hmm. the time and like runny noses and right. just, and then as soon as we left, we were fine again. And London's air in general is not, typically that great it is nowhere close to the hong kong levels of air that you know are happening on the tube um, we were seeing on our last day there levels of around uh 20 to 30 which are not great but uh, obviously a lot better than 200 when conditions were better kind of you had like uh you know more windy sort of conditions uh it improved in most of London to, you know, down to about two. Atmospheric conditions made a big difference, but obviously there are a lot of diesel cars and trucks in London. So the air quality in general is not that great, but it was very scary to see that the tube was so polluted. So Volvo has announced the prices for the Polestar 2, especially the EU prices. Um, they've been announced for Norway, Sweden, Germany, UK, Netherlands, and Belgium at 59,000 euros. Now, it's a little bit cheaper in Norway and the UK, but that's basically the price. And as you remember, this is for a 78 kilowatt hour battery, 300 kilowatts of power, 150 kilowatt DC fast charging, and many similarities to the Model 3. Mm. So when we're talking panoramic glass roof, the ability to use your phone as, as the key, um, active driver assist features, and it's sold online just like Tesla. Now, Volvo expects U.S. pricing at $63,000, and it's taking reservations on their website with deliveries expected next June. Now, okay, so it's going to have U.S. prices at, starting at $63,000. Model 3 pricing. That's expensive. I, I mean, you can get a, a very top-of-the-line Model 3 for that kind of money. Yeah, and I don't think this is going to be their top of the line Polestar 2. They talk about premium features, and I'm assuming that that will be an additional cost. So, yikes. I mean, it's it, it might be like competition to the Model S, which is good. Like, I'm all for competition. I'm all for having people to have more choices. But it doesn't really give you that much more choice if you can't afford it. Right. Right? It's just another thing that goes on your, you know can't have but want uh, list. Now, I'm not 100% up on Model 3 prices in Europe. I know that it varies a lot by country, um, especially where, when we're talking about, you know, VIT taxes and different incentives. So, you know, for you Europeans, feel free to, you know, tell us a little bit down below in the comments what the, you know, kind of base or standard range plus Model 3 prices versus uh, the Polestar 2, you know, how that compares. But, it's definitely not like this golden solution for everybody. Uh, 
that I think a lot of people were hoping for. Especially because if you look at 150 kilowatts of DC fast charging, Model 3 has 250 kilowatts of DC fast charging. I mean, right. things like that make a huge difference on an electric car. It's true. All right, it's time for the lightning round. So did you see this video, Jess? Yeah, this jerk just keyed this guy's Model 3. He was at his kid's soccer game. Yeah, and this person just keyed his car and thought that she was gonna get away with it. Well, guess what? What? The video went viral and she turned herself in. Broomfield police said, we received hundreds of tips on the video of the woman caught keying a Tesla over the weekend. We identified the suspect, 57-year-old Maria Elena Gimeno, earlier this week. Last night, she turned herself in and was booked at the Broomfield Detention Center on the charge of criminal mischief, a class six felony. We appreciate the community's help solving this case. So she was charged with a class six criminal mischief felony in Colorado, and that means that she faces up to one and a half years in prison and fines of up to $5,000. Oh, and this is the second time a Tesla vandal has turned themselves in after footage went viral. Right, so this, it, this kind of proves that Tesla Sentry Mode works, okay? Because not only are we, are we catching people, because we are catching people using Tesla Sentry Mode, but they are actually turning themselves in because basically they know they're going to get caught. Because when you get your face plastered all over the internet, keying someone's car, no one is, like, there aren't very many people out there that are going to be like, oh, but they were just keying his car. Yeah. Every, nobody likes this. You know, so it's really nice that we can actually have some justice in this world. Um, it's it's sad that we need to resort to, to cameras and stuff like that, but if it works, it works. So Tesla has filed for a patent to reduce or eliminate the visibility of a boundary between the displaying portions of the system and the non-displaying portions. What, what, what did they file for? Uh, basically, they are trying to make a bezel-less display. What does that mean? So you, if you're a computer geek, you know what this means. Uh, basically, every screen that you have, whether it's your phone or it's your TV, it has that like little uh, black border around it because basically they can't get the pixels all the way to the edge of whatever it is you're looking at. So how does this work? So with this, they actually kind of cheat a little bit. Yeah. So if you take a look at this picture here, you'll see that uh, you have the display, you have some glue that holds the, the, the display to the glass, and then on the side, you have some holographic film, which is uh, stuck in there. Okay. And basically what that's going to do is it's gonna kind of like smudge whatever's on the edge of the display all the way out to the very edge of whatever the screen is that you're looking at. So if we're thinking about the Model 3 screen, um, right now there's a border around the whole thing. Uh, basically what they would do is, is get the, you know, the display as close to the edge of the screen as possible and then put this kind of holographic uh, film around the outside and that would just kind of smudge everything to the edges and it would look like oh. a completely, you know, and all you'd have to do in the software is basically, you know, put a little border around whatever image you want, and then, you know, you just have it be white or, or dark, and then it would just look like the whole screen was was a whole screen. There was no edge. That's really cool. Yeah. So Tesla has applied for a new patent. This is a power assist steering system. We, that just, we just did, we just did the, the, wait, you said power steering system? Yeah, this is a, this is a different patent. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, this is for a power assist steering system that will be more compact and power efficient than existing systems. The steering system is a compact unit that consumes lesser space as compared to other steering systems that are commercially available in markets. Further, the steering system does not require a large amount of additional power for operation. Interesting. So this was designed by Mark Kaufman. He is a longtime mechanical design engineer at Tesla, responsible for the design of things like the upper frame of the Falcon door of the Model X. Um, and several of the Tesla wheels. I think it's really interesting that they're looking for efficiency everywhere. Yeah. So, I mean, they're trying to make the steering system more efficient on the car in addition to all the other things that are efficient on a Tesla. So Tesla applied for a new patent for a more efficient seat. <sighs> what? Another patent? Are you serious? Oh, yeah. This yeah. is the third patent we're talking about. Um, yeah, so they filed for this one in February, but we're just finding out about it now. Um, they, it's a more efficient seat patent with a temperature control system. So right now, if you want to heat or cool a seat, you're either heating the bottom of the seat, and then the, the heat has to travel through the foam, which it doesn't like to do because mm -hmm. foam is an insulator, or they have to try and blow air through the foam, which again does not work too well. Um, and Tesla in this patent has shown that they want to have a heating slash cooling uh, liquid layer, mm. uh, basically like little strips of tubes that are going to be traveling through the seats to heat or cool the seats. And I think that this is a really, really, really genius idea because I had a Nissan Leaf for a couple of years and in the winter... You, it gets real cold. You don't want to turn on the heater because you have limited range. And so what do you do? You turn on the seat heater. And what that does is it warms up your body directly. It's warming up your butt and your back and your blood is, you know, going through your body. And it's a really great way to warm yourself um, when it's really cold instead of heating the air, which is much more efficient to actually heat someone. So if you could be cooling and heating people through their seats, it's extremely extraordinarily more efficient than heating the air. Yeah, you found that like it used about 3,500 watts to heat the air and it only used about something like 50 watts to heat your seat. Yeah, it's insane, the difference. And so this is another huge uh, efficiency savings when we're talking about AC in the summer or heat in the winter. In March, Tesla filed for a patent for a liquid-cooled charging connector. is a, a different patent. The fourth patent. Yeah, this is a fourth patent. Yeah, this is a liquid-cooled <laughs> charging connector. Okay, but wait, no, no, we, we've already, we already know about this. They, we already have charging cables that are cooled. Oh no, that this is uh, not the charging cable. This is the charging connector itself. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so when you go to a supercharger, and you're right, right now there's uh, the version three superchargers that have a cooled cable, but the connector is not cooled. Now with this patent, they would be able to cool the connector. And so that's going to allow for a more efficient charging of your vehicle because obviously as things heat up, you have more resistance in the materials. So by keeping it cool, you have a more efficient, man, everything here has like efficiency as a part of it in Innovation. addition to performance. Yeah. We need to come up with a new motto for Tesla. I feel like it should be like efficiency drives innovation. Yeah. I mean, it kind of goes back to what... Uh, Franz von Holzhausen's idea of the Model S being this very athletic shape because it's efficient in the same way that like a cyclist is efficient, right? You, you, very powerful, but also efficient. So Tesla has now updated their Sentry backup. They now state separately, if you agree to allow us to collect video clips, Sentry mode will send a short recorded video clip linked to your VIN to Tesla for temporary backup. 
up to 72 hours when the alarm state is triggered. We may also use this footage to help enhance detection for sentry mode. Please refer to your owner's manual for more information. What the heck does this mean? So people were worried that uh, if a thief broke into your car to steal your laptop and all your valuables, that they would know uh, to steal your USB drive so that way you couldn't find them because the sentry mode footage would be on there and then they could like crack it in their teeth and laugh and go, ha, 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 and they'd run off with all your valuables. And so uh, Tesla basically was like this unspoken thing where you could contact Tesla and they would be able to pull up the footage and you'd be able to catch the guy. Okay. But they never really explicitly said that. Um, now they are explicitly saying it. And so this is basically for the opt-in program uh, for sending uh, anonymous clips to Tesla. Oh, right, because you have to agree to it um, in one of the checkmark boxes in the security menu. Right. And basically what that does is, is a different thing where it will have an anonymous, like who knows whose car this was, uh, data you know, video clips sent to Tesla so that way they can use it for uh, autonomous driving studies. But basically what this also would agree you to would be that if someone broke into your car and the alarm went off, that the footage would be sent to Tesla for 72 hours, uh, basically for safekeeping, and that you could contact them, get that footage back, and then hopefully use that to prosecute a perpetrator who, you know, stole stuff from your car. I trust Tesla to use my data responsibly. There's not a lot of incriminating stuff that I do in my car. Not not a lot. Um, so I don't think that they would be able to like blackmail me into doing anything. So I'm not super worried about that. But I guess maybe if, you should be. If you were doing some kind of illegal activity in your car, maybe don't check the box. I, don't check. I don't know. Okay, you ready for a before and after? Yes. Here's the before. Okay. And here's the after. See anything similar? It looks like it's almost the same building. It is the same building. Uh-huh. Uh, Tesla just took over a Porsche dealership, and it's now a Tesla showroom. This is in St. Gallen, Switzerland. And just, you know, a quick note about Switzerland. In the first half of 2019, the Tesla Model 3 beat all other vehicles in sales volume except for the Skoda Octavia, the VW Tiguan, and the VW Golf. And from January to July... 2,577 Model 3s were sold in Switzerland, making it the most popular electric vehicle sold in that period. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess if you beat out almost all the other cars in general, you, that would happen. Yeah, wow. So people are reporting all over the internet that there is a new Easter egg in version 10. Would you like to know what it is? <laughs> yes, I would like to know what it would be. Basically, you have to name your car a character from Monty Python. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it has to be from Monty Python and the Holy Grail or if it's from Flying Circus. A lot of those characters don't really have good names. It'd just be right. man who gets thrown out window <laughs> or you know whatever. But basically if you do that, and uh, I think one of them that definitely works is Patsy, uh, P-A-T-S-Y, uh, just that's an easy one. The Monty Python foot will come down, it'll play a fart sound, so <laughs> you know, like from Monty Python. And then you will have another section in your theater mode which is Monty Python, which brings you to the Monty Python YouTube channel. And just a little uh, little trivia. We're celebrating our 50th anniversary of Monty Python. Wow. Speaking of sounds. Yes. Uh, according to this tweet from Elon, customized horn and movement sounds, coconuts being one, of course, coming to Tesla soon. Man, he really, really, really loves Monty Python. Yeah, he does. And I really, really, really do not blame him one bit. <laughs> so let's talk about this for a second. Customized horn and movement sounds. Now, I love this idea of customized movement sounds for your car. And don't forget, he also said wind and goat sounds too, also, of course. Tesla owners Silicon Valley said, can we have jungle and rainforest sounds? 
Elon said, sure. So explain this to me. So I understand movement sounds. When the car is moving, if it's an electric car now, you have to have movement sounds. And I'm all happy to have additional sounds. Right, like, like coconuts. coconuts. Coconuts would be... <laughs> right. That would be great. That, um, I, I'm very a big fan of that one. But he also says horn sounds. So does that mean that you could have your car like make a goat horn sound? I... I was Is that legal? I was under the impression that like you you can pull up behind someone at a stoplight and be like I don't (laughs) look, I don't think that legality has any bearing over this. I I really thought that the Model 3 had a regular old horn in the car. So you have two things that that make two different tones. You have one that goes, you know, like beep, and you have another one that goes like burp, and then play them together and it's burp. That's what gets you the, the, you know, your classic horn sound is it's actually two notes. Um, and you have those horns and they can't play any other sounds. You just put right. electricity into them and they simply play. Right. So I don't know how you would make customized horn sounds unless you remove that or you, there's another way to do it. You dedicate a button either on the steering wheel or on the screen to be the pedestrian horn button and then that that you could customize and it would just play it out speaker. of that speaker anyway if you work for the dot or nitsa or one of those government agencies uh please comment below whether it's legal to have a different horn sound other than the traditional one again i think if it's a pedestrian horn you're fine all right it's time for throwback thursdays wow uh but it's it's monday this story from our buddy Ross from 2010 in Green Building Advisor about Martin Holiday, who took down his 1980 33-watt Arco solar panel from his roof and tested it after 30 years on his Vermont roof. And what did he find? Ooh, did it still work? Not only did it still work, but it was still putting out more power than the factory specs. So uh, why bring up this old story? Because it shows that solar panels just keep working for decades. Even if the power drops, let's say, 30 years later. Let's say you take down that solar panel and it's putting out 10% less power. Then you just add a couple panels to your array and you're back up to full power. That's a really good point. Like these are time-tested technologies. These right. have been around now since the 70s. And so, and they've been actually used on roofs since then. So we know they work. Right. And and I really like the point about adding just a couple more solar panels because everyone seems to think, oh, after 30 years, well, you're going to have to take a rip them off the roofs and you're going to have to replace them with brand new solar panels. And that's not the case. No. Okay, it's time for our video contributor stories. And if you'd like to be a video contributor here on, on TTN, all you got to do is send us a story that's two minutes or less with good audio and something about something that you're interested in your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. So here we've got Justin in Greensburg, Kansas, and he says, I started watching your show when you drove a Tesla across the U.S. when I was a sophomore in high school and have watched it every week ever since. Thanks to your wonderful show, I got a part-time job and I'm now a Tesla shareholder of 20 shares and I will not consider any other car but a Tesla in the future. Your show got me thinking of what I could do in my home state of Kansas to promote the adoption of sustainable transport. So today I decided to take a two-hour drive to Greensburg, Kansas to show people what they're doing. Keep up the great work, and now you know. So here he is. Hi, Zach and Jesse. This is Justin in Greensburg, Kansas, and I'm here at uh, six of their electric vehicle chargers. They have four Tesla stalls, and then they have two uh, regular uh, electric vehicle chargers for any electric vehicle. Uh, Greensburg was actually destroyed in a tornado in 2007, uh, unfortunately, but the good thing about that uh, was that they actually ended up rebuilding their entire town using clean energy with a wind farm that's just a couple miles away. 
They also have one of the world's uh, largest hand-dug wells and uh, several other uh, museums and uh, great places to eat. And it just goes to show there's a little bit more to Kansas than the world's largest bowl of twine. <laughs> Thanks, and uh, now you know. Well, thank you, Justin. Thank you, Justin. That's an awesome story. Excellent story. And it's just motivational to me and Jesse because hearing from all the people out there that have learned something from our show and that want to pass that on to other people mm -hmm. is just, I don't know, it just makes my day. Mm -hmm. All right, it's time for the Patreon bonus stories. If you can't get enough Tesla Time news, you can shoot over to Patreon and support us for as little as a buck a month, and you'll get to watch every Patreon bonus story we've ever done. Now, many weeks, Patreon bonus stories are about as long as a regular show. Yeah. So, so head over there. Check it uh, out. Support this show. If you've been watching this show for like more than a couple weeks, please consider supporting the show because it really makes this show possible and it makes it so that we can get even better every week. All right, we're back from the Patreon bonus stories. It's time for our Patreon shout outs. These are people who support us for $5 or more every month. And they waited. Oh yeah, they waited because it takes it takes a few weeks before we get to your shout out. So like if you started by giving us five dollars, you know, two months ago, it's about now that we're starting to do your shout out. Right. So if, if you're like wondering, like, where's my shout out? Right. We have uh, a backlog, takes, and, and we, that is just so that way we can we can have the same number of names every week. A special number. Like right. we don't want it to be fifty names. We right. want a few names so it really right. means. We don't a want lot. to just like you know pass the the thing we want to actually say these names out loud uh mispronounce them uh, uh we're gonna get them right this we're way. gonna get them right yes all right who do we got jess we have nicholas gumond julianne michaud latour we got brent ryan harris john pagani andrew trevoro nicholas harrell and simon bertocci thank you so much for supporting us you make this show possible every week and we got all the names right again. I think we did. This is like I think we did. Three, we didn't get the high didn't, five right, but right. we got the names right. That's the important thing. <laughs> all right, it's time for Elon's tweets of the week. And boy, was he up to tweeting again this yes. week. All right, this one, over 550 Tesla smart summon uses in first few days, said Elon. This is huge news. This is big, big news. Can we just talk about this for a second? Yeah, because I know the first thing that we did when we got V10 was just run out, bring the car to a parking lot, and, and I summon just it. Summoned it, and then I jumped in front of it. Yep. And a lot of people have latched onto like three stories of people who have had their cars hit or really close calls uh, using Smart Summon because they used it very dumbly. Right. And they've all latched onto being like, "Oh, it's dangerous. We shouldn't use it." There were five hundred and fifty thousand uses of Smart Summon, and we only got three things on social media i just want to point out that the national safety council says that one in five u.s car accidents takes place in a parking lot which is where smart stomach happens right you might notice that uh, a lot of accidents happen with cars that are not being driven right cars that are just parked there not doing anything yep. and the human is in the other car that's driving and they still manage to hit them yep parking lots are dangerous places and yet we only got like three different stories and then elon went on to say wow cool someone will get steadily smoother until it's like an expert chauffeur who knows you well right because let's keep in mind every single smart summon is data for tesla yes. to put through a neural net and make the car smarter deep scale all the cars yep this is so so powerful and yet no one's talking about it we are so this tweet from S. Potaval, he's responding to Mike Bloomberg, who owns, uh, what does he own again? Uh, Mike Bloomberg. Bloomberg. He owns something big. 
Um, it's like a media company. Oh yeah, yeah. It's called. Uh, it's called Bloomberg. Yeah, it's called yeah, Bloomberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Bloomberg tweeted: "Too many politicians aren't interested in hard science. They are interested in political science. Our message to them: face reality on climate change or face the music on election day. Now that's great, but as S. Padaval said, then why is your media company so anti-Tesla?" And Elon said, "Good question. And yeah, I'll put it to you, Mike. Why is your company?" So anti-Tesla, if you seem to care so much about hard science and about climate change, why are you so anti-Tesla? Yeah. It's, the, it's one of the only car companies in the world that only makes electric cars. They also make solar panels and battery storage, basically a whole system designed to fight climate change, basically through renewable energy. And yet you keep fudding. You keep them. So then this tweet from Elon about the cost of Raptors. He says, Raptor cost is tracking to well under $1 million. Wait, wait, wait. They have Raptors at SpaceX? Oh, we're talking about the Raptor engine. The Raptor engine. Yeah. Not dinosaurs. No. Okay, no. that's well, good. As far as I know, I mean, they might be working on it's dinosaurs. It's true. He is a billionaire. Right. Uh, but so he says, Raptor cost is tracking to well under $1 million for version one. Goal is less than $250,000 for version two. It's a 250-ton thrust-optimized engine, i.e. $1,000 a ton. This is a reusable engine, too. It's not right. just like a throwaway engine. This is reusable over and over and over again. And right. he's, I mean, many people were conjecturing that these would cost 30 or $40 million each. He's telling you that just this first version is right. costing only a million. And that it's going to get cheaper from there. That's wow, wow. It's that's insane. All right, you want to play some asteroids? I can pl I can go play it in my car actually. Yeah, well, this next tweet is about that. Uh, Elon said excited about launching NASA's asteroid defense mission. Whoa! That's fun. Yeah, NASA has selected SpaceX for the Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or DART, mission. It's the first ever mission to demonstrate the capability to deflect an asteroid by colliding a spacecraft with it at high speed. This is a technique known as kinetic impactor. So is there one, like, coming towards Earth and we're going to save the world? Well... No, I mean, kind of. Well, so, okay, get this. So, no, not even close. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's coming kind of towards, it's going to be 11 million kilometers away from Earth. 11 million kilometers. Yeah, it's, it's very far away. Yes, yeah, not There gonna. is no chance that we are going to knock an asteroid towards the Earth. No. I just want to be clear no. on that. So this total cost to NASA is $69 million, and the DART mission is targeted to launch in June of 2021 on a Falcon 9 rocket from Vandenberg Air Force Base in California. Now, by using solar electric propulsion, we'll intercept the asteroid Didymos's small moon in October of 2022, when the asteroid will be within 11 million kilometers of Earth. Now, explain this to me. So this this little asteroid, uh, Didymos, has a little moon that goes around it. So a little, even tinier asteroid. Right. Um, that it's that this little teeny tiny satellite is going to smash into at 23,000 kilometers an hour. So that's just going to destroy it into a million little pieces. No, it's going to uh, bump it kind of like a, a little teeny tiny billiard ball. Okay. Against a much regular sized billiard ball. And what's that so going to do? So it's just going to change its orbital period around the other asteroid by just a couple of minutes. And what will that do? That will let NASA scientists know how feasible it is to, uh, you know, move an asteroid out of the way of impacting Earth. Oh. You know, 
how feasible, how possible it is. Oh, I see. So we get some data on how that worked. Right. Because, uh, you know, depending on the density of the asteroid and all sorts of other factors like that, uh, you could either find that it's a very effective way of moving asteroids out of the way, or you find that it's a not very effective way of moving asteroids out of the way and that you want to do something else. Um, which is good because uh, asteroids are, like, if, if they actually hit the Earth, it's a big old problem. So Elon tweeted about the meaning of life. Yeah, Eva Fox asked him, what is the meaning of life, Elon? Don't say 42. And Elon said to understand the nature of consciousness. And then Regan Beck said, and what does one do with that knowledge once it is understood? Elon said, we will understand the next question, which is, whoa. Whoa. I mean, I, I well, studied philosophy and <laughs> that's, that's this big, is deep. Huh? I mean, yeah? this is, Yeah. This is deep stuff. I think it's it's really nice. It's a nice, uh, instead of sort of being like, well, with all the stuff we have, we should be able to figure it out. Let's study Kant and let's, you know, figure out what these these guys figured out. Instead to be like, let's figure out what consciousness is all about. Yeah. And then let's go from there. Yeah. I like that. I you know, too. I like that instead of being like, well, let's just stick with a utilitarian thing until we get hit by an asteroid. You know, like... Right. It's, it's nice to be moving forward. Speaking of moving forward, uh, Anner Bonilla said, when can we see smart parking? Elon said, hopefully a month or two, although it may be a little silly at first. What does silly smart parking look like? Um, I think it'll drift into the parking <laughs> space. Just, ah! All right, it's time for community mail time. Community mail time. We were in London last week, and we were lucky enough to meet up with Taja and her father, um, along with a few other patrons who came out and met us in the park for a couple wonderful hours of talking about electric leafs and uh, politics and all sorts of fun stuff. Here's a nice picture of Taja and her dad. Thanks so much for meeting up with us. Model 3 owner Brandon was driving along, minding his own business, when this motorcycle on a Suzuki GSX-R600 did this. Doesn't that hurt? Doesn't what, It hurt the car. Yeah, you can see... Parts no, no, no. falling off. Of well, it. I mean, yeah, but the, the guy who he just came out and just whacked it. Like, doesn't that? I mean, he's riding on a motorcycle. How, how, does it seem like he must have experience doing this? Um, yeah. I mean, it does seem like if you're going to hit something at like 20 miles an hour. No, I'm just saying, if I went out to the parking lot right now and I hit my car like that, I would come in here with like a broken hand. It's true. I mean, especially when you're on a motorcycle. I don't know if they're like good at it or if they got special gloves. I think he must have a special glove. I don't know. I mean, I think he might just be super dumb because um, I have seen people who were like punching uh, yeah, and, and broke their hand. Well, anyway, if you want to follow the latest Sentry videos, follow our patron Jonathan on Twitter. He has a great Twitter page at Sentry Most Wanted on Twitter. And Sean wrote to us and said, after years in the making, I finally ordered my Model 3 and received it a couple weeks ago. It is the best car I have ever driven, and it is just very cool. I can get so many more thumbs up these days while driving. Congratulations, Sean. All right, it's time for on-air question of the week. We've got a question here from Aaron. He says, do you think it might be better for politicians to just remove all subsidies from oil, gas, refining, exploration, etc., but also remove the EV incentives? Just make it apples to apples. Gas can go up to $8 or more a gallon and see who wins. Government would save paying all the oil subsidies and save a tiny bit by removing EV subsidies. How could conservatives argue with this? EV adoption would explode. I have to completely agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I think that we definitely have to get rid of the oil and gas incentives. Uh, the The subsidies for those are insane. Yeah, I we're mean, talking trillions of dollars a year. Right. If if we did get rid of those uh, subsidies, which uh, the the taxpayer is paying for, um, 
Yeah, gas would go up to like $8 a gallon. Yeah, because I am tired of hearing about, oh, you got all these EV subsidies. Yeah, those are just publicly talked about all the time, but we don't talk about equally the amount of gas and oil subsidies. Right. And so when you go to the pump and it's $3 a gallon, you're like, wow, $3 a gallon, it's so expensive. You're not even counting the amount of tax money that is going to subsidize those gallons of gas that are going into your car. It would be $8 a gallon. Now, I do think that the whole point of government with incentives, the idea of it is to incentivize what we would like uh, the world to be, you know, going to. So, you know, disincentivizing smoking, for example, because it kills people um, is a is something that a government is wise to do is to say, oh, uh, smoke detectors get a subsidy because that'll prevent people from dying in, in fires in their homes. Right. But I really like his point about conservatives. Conservatives are always talking about smaller government. So, yes, conservatives, get on board this idea. Right. Tell your governments to stop subsidizing oil and gas and EVs. Sure. Right. Great. Yep. Let's take them away. Yeah. Elon has said this many times before. The subsidy doesn't actually help Tesla because if you got rid of all the gas and oil subsidies and the EV subsidies, you would have a level playing field. Absolutely. Good question, Aaron. And now we go to the results of the Patreon poll. And what we asked this week was, what is your favorite version 10 feature? Guess and what the least favorite was. Uh, what was the least favorite? Hulu. Oh, <laughs> poor Hulu. Yeah, so Hulu was uh, low on the list, but what was highest on the list? Auto Summons was the top thing on the list. The funny thing is, I have not used Auto Summons since the day that we filmed the episode about it. I don't have much use for it. I, I don't park in a big old parking lot anymore. Maybe if I did, I would still use it, but I'd, I don't need to risk anything. You know, I can walk to my car. Yeah, no, I don't want it to uh, cut back on the amount of walking. I right. just think it's fun to when show it's raining. People. Yeah, well, and I like to show it off a little bit and let people it's go. True. I love little kids seeing it happen. So, right. um, and yeah, I was just also surprised to see that Cuphead was the second lowest reason. Right. Uh, the the second large, the second highest voted was YouTube. Cool. Wow, who would have thunk that a YouTube channel's <laughs> Patreon, the second biggest thing would have been YouTube. All right, it's time for some good news, bad news. What yes. do you want first, Yes. Oh, the good news, please. All right, the good news is that power company Ameren has been ordered by a federal judge to equip their Rush Island coal plant in Jefferson County, Missouri, with scrubber technology. Sweet. All right, yeah. ready for the bad news? Federal judge, yeah. They have three years to comply. So they're just going to be poisoning us all for three more years. Wait, wait, but this is a this is a Clean Air Act violation. Oh yeah. So basically, this coal plant decided to do some little renovations without pulling any permits, and when they were caught, they were told, uh, "No, you got to put scrubbers in." But for some reason, they got three years to do it. If I were the judge, I would have said, "You're shutting down until right. the scrubbers yeah, go." Your in. plant. Uh, if, if I were the judge, I would have been like, "Your plant is shut down. Um, you're going to have to pay the people who are being polluted." damages because you're polluting them um ju just the same as if you were driving around a big poison truck that was fumigating people's homes and i i don't understand yeah judge sippel ruled that amarin's labati energy center it's the largest coal-fired power plant in missouri um that they have three years to comply now this ruling would cost hundreds of millions of dollars but get this amarin intends to appeal oh and wait a Whoa, whoa, wait a second. They intend to appeal something where they were in violation of the Clean Air Act. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, let's look at their CEO and chairman, Warner L. Baxter. He gets $8.4 million a year, and I don't think he gets that high salary for just... For nothing. Know, for nothing. He right. gets it by cutting corners and 
polluting the people. $8.4 million a year. Just yeah. picture that for a second. Well, he's earned his money. By doing what? Well, years and years of, of polluting without getting caught. And now he's got three more years. I mean, right. great Three for more years at $8.4 million a year. And they're not even like, and you're going to jail, nope. and, you're, and you're, you have to step down as chairman and CEO of the company. Nope. Nothing like that. It's nope. just, well, you have three years to make sure that you put scrubbers on the... D- mm-hmm. Sorry about that. That's not good news. Well, that was good news, bad news. Ugh. That's just three years. And they get to appeal. Oh, we better have a good section of the show coming up. What is it? Supercharge Reviews. Oh, goodness. This this part of the show I really like. So take it away. It's July 7th, 2019 here in Baker, California. That's a getaway come home weekend for uh, July 4th weekend. Here we are, and there is a Model 3 heading into the 40-stall supercharger. Hey, Zach and Jesse, this is Joe and Jim again. Just wanted to show you, uh, this place is advertised as 120 kilowatts. Right now, we're pulling 102. Uh, anyway, look at this great scenery out here. Let me step outside. Let's take a look at it. Looks like a typical country market here. Here's uh, Jim. Take the glasses off there. Here's Jim. Rented the Tesla. Hey, Jim, say hi. Hi, Jack. Hi, Zach. Hi, Jesse. And then here's all these Tesla chargers. Twelve of them in line. And I guess that's the uh, charging station down there. And here it is. Beautiful Washington State. Cleelum. C-L-E. How do you spell it? C-L-E? Capital E-L-U-M. E-L-U-M. All right. There you go. Signing off. Take it easy. This is Joe and Jim. So long. See you later now. Bye. Hey, Zach and Jesse. So today, again, we just came from the 20 stalls from Charger in Gilderland, New York. And now we're at the um, 6 stall supercharger in Central Albany, which is a great location because it looks like there's a gigantic Whole Foods right here. There's bathrooms inside. There's an L.L. Bean right here. So there's a Regal Cinemas there, and then there's currently a Model X, a red Model X that's right there. It's charging. Great spot right off of I-87. There's also a Cheesecake Factory, and it's a six stall. Like we said, there's a 20 stall just three miles away. So what would you give this location? I'd actually say this one would get a 10 out of 10 just because of the Whole Foods and the L.L. Bean, which are very good. Alright, so we're giving this one a 10 out of 10. And yeah. thanks now, you know. Thanks. See you later. Bye. I love it. I know. Me it's, too. it's so nice to see people from all over the world showing superchargers all over the world. Um, thank you so much for doing it. Thank you so much for filming them. Uh, we have a map of all the supercharger reviews. It ha- It's a map of the world. And all the supercharger reviews are on it. So if you're yeah. planning a trip, you can head over to our website. The link is down to the, the doobly-doo. Let's check out the new superchargers that have gone online this week. Number 33 in Australia is the 6-stall in Bendigo, Victoria in Australia. We've got the 14-stall, 150-kilowatt supercharger in Menifee, California. Number 24 in South Korea is the 6-stall at Seongnam, Bundang, South Korea. Number 22 in Japan is the 8-stall in Tokyo at Tokyo Bay, Japan. The 4-stall, Madrid, at the Saba Parking Nuevos, 
Ministerios in Spain. Number 37 in Sweden is the Forstall 150 kilowatt at Jakvik, Sweden. The 8-stall 150-kilowatt supercharger in Smithfield, North Carolina. And number 704 in the USA, number 1640 in the world, is the 12-stall 150-kilowatt at Henrietta, Texas. Wow. A lot of superchargers. Funny how many superchargers there are in Sweden and not that many in Australia. All right. It is time for the Patreon giveaway. Yeah. You can uh, get yourself an EcoWare t-shirt like this new Rest in Peace gas pump. Or any EcoWare t-shirt. We plant a tree for every tea, and you help support the show when you spread the word with ecoware.us. All right, who is our winner this week, Jess? All right, the winner is Tony Fragiacomo. Tony, you're the lucky winner of an Ecoware t-shirt. Congratulations. And you made it to the end of the show, everybody. I just want to give another shout-out for people who might be interested in being a newsroom correspondents. Yeah, we've got a link down below in the show notes that you can fill out for four different uh, volunteers we're looking for. We're looking for fact researchers, story finders, story writers and news correspondents so, so if you you know are and a journalism any of those student, interest you yeah you're a writer feel free to sign up yes um so as we're sitting here watching these awesome patreon uh people who've supported us float by on the screen thank you very much mm -hmm. i want to talk about the fact that we are available as a podcast so if you're watching right now you might be a new viewer and you're like well this is great but i'd rather listen to you in the shower or as i'm driving to work or something um you can listen as a podcast to our in-depth and our Tesla Time News on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify. Spotify. Hey. In the car, right? You can watch it. You can listen to it in the car while you're driving. Um, and then if you're like, gee, I really, you know, that sounded like a visual joke. You can go back and watch on YouTube right. in your car when you're parked. So yeah. it's there's two, three different places to, to listen or watch in your car. Really? You got, Wait, you got what? You got Slacker. Yep. You got TuneIn. Oh, you sorry. You got TuneIn. Yep. You got YouTube and you got Spotify. Oh, and also I want to do a little plug for Bior, which is Build Your Own Robot. Um, it's a kit that you can uh, purchase on Amazon. We'll put the link down below. We love these guys. We've we've met them and worked with them in, over in the Netherlands. Um, it's such a wonderful way to share technology and um, learning with your kids, especially at that age, like there's that age of about, I don't know, pretty much any age actually. I mean, kids yeah, love I to learn. Yeah, I think from like two to 102. Yeah. Where, yeah. So if you've got a kid that's like <laughs> two to 102, uh, yeah, it's perfect. Well, yeah, I mean, the I remember when I was young, very young, you got me Lego Mindstorms. Oh yeah. It, got, it had that yellow brick, mm -hmm. right? This is even before the, the most recent Lego Mindstorms. And it was the most complicated. It came in a yeah. box and it looked freaking sweet. And yeah. you could you could program it by just holding the thing up and it would use infrared. You know, it would use like the remote signal. And I think I got it for you too young. Like, oh, I do not I know were... what age you would get it for me. That would be the right age. Right. I think right about now, 25-ish <laughs> would get be it. the right age. Yeah, no, it, it was exceedingly complicated right. to program it and to make all the robot pieces go. And that's the problem with robot kits in general. And Bior completely fixes that problem. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving are coming up. And one of the things is, you know, you can go for the Lego Mindstorms thing. And it, it they got a little better. I'll give them some credit. But it is still exceedingly difficult to program your robot and to expensive. do anything and yeah if you want to like oh i want to have a big flapper thing it's like that's hundreds of dollars of lego pieces right. 
The cool thing about Bior is that you just get the motors and the sensors and a smart board to hook them all up together and then everything is a robot piece. And let me, yeah, let me just say, when you get um, Legos, you feel like you have to do it perfectly, follow all the directions. Right, when you and do, all the Lego rules. Right, when you do Bior, it's engineering at its right. finest because it's solving problems whatever it's way you want to. outside the box, right. right? And so you're able to use cardboard. So you're just basically limited to the amount of like recyclables you have in the house right. because you just start um, strapping these things together. They come with little, uh, I think they're, what are they, brads or things yeah. that hold stuff together. And boom, you have a robot arm that's as big as your arm. Yeah, and it's, we've got this whole mission control system that we've done with them so that, you know, Jesse and I are the voices mm -hmm. and the actors of this system so that right. your kids can kind of get into it if they want to. Right. It's just a lot of fun. Anyway, the links are down below. Right. We think it's a great gift for kids. And thank you for watching the show and sticking with us till the yeah. end. Um, we just, we love having you along. We love joining you every week. So we'll see you next week for Tesla Time News. And don't forget that we do Bite Size if you just don't have that much time or you want to share it with somebody. It might be a good way to introduce right. them to the show. That comes out every Tuesday. Right. And we have In-Depth every Friday. So uh, we got a lot of content on this channel. So be sure to subscribe. See you next week, guys. you might miss it. Now, now you know. know.